Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. There you go. It's uh, five minutes after three o'clock on ESPN 1530. Good afternoon. My name is Mo Edger. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you're having uh, an absolutely a terrific Wednesday afternoon. We are broadcasting today from the uh, Moorline Lager House, which is where we have been uh, every single Tuesday. The uh, The schedule slid, obviously, with the planned Bengals-Bills game on Monday night. We did the Tony and Mo football show yesterday, which means we're doing our show on Tuesday on a Wednesday. Beautiful early winter afternoon. Uh, temperatures in the upper 50s, lower 60s. The sun is out. Um a direct contrast from uh, yesterday. And so uh, if uh, you're out and about downtown, come on by, have a cold one. We've got the $5 happy hour menu. We've got $8 full-size burgers. And uh, we're going to have some fun this afternoon. Obviously, the majority of the time today, we will be talking about uh, the Bengals and uh, the residual effects of what might happen in the wake of DeMar Hamlin suffering a cardiac arrest on Monday night. There is some good news to report, at least encouraging news. The uh, Buffalo Bills say that uh, DeMar is showing some signs of improvement. He's obviously still in the ICU at uh, UC Medical Center. But I think we would all agree, relative to what our worst fears were on Monday, the fact that we are still talking about him uh, being alive and showing signs of improvement is a really, really good thing. Uh, Zach Taylor spoke about two hours ago. We'll have that press conference in its entirety per request for you coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, Troy Vincent spoke today. Roger Goodell did not. Uh, we'll hear what uh, the NFL's vice president of football operations had to say about Monday night and what the plans could be moving forward. That coming up here in uh, just a bit. Uh, we are going to chat with uh, Sean Miller at 4.05 in the aftermath of uh, Xavier's big win over UConn on uh, Saturday afternoon. We are looking forward to that. Paul Daner Jr. is here on uh, the Bengals beat for The Athletic. You can read his work at theathletic.com. Uh, his podcast with Jay Morrison is Terrific. Hear that podcast growling, and uh, he's with me this afternoon. What is going on? A lot. Yeah. Uh, a lot. I mean, it's hard to you, – you're kind of ticking through everything there, and I'm, like, ticking through everything in my head. Like, okay, I, I missed that part because we were in with Zach, and mm-hmm. I was doing another interview. And it's, there's, there's so many moving pieces from so many corners of the NFL world right now uh, – not, not just certainly far from just here in Cincinnati, whether Buffalo, Baltimore, um, what's going to happen with the games, what the NFL's doing, why haven't we heard from Roger Goodell yet? Like, I mean, there's just so many, and that's all of that is in the background, you know, behind every day wanting to hear encouraging news, you know, about Damar Hamlin. Yeah, and so, you know, as I said before, um, we don't know a lot. We don't know specifics. But at least we're entertaining the possibility that this is going to have a good outcome. And when I walked out of that stadium on Monday night, I said to myself, I I think I just watched someone die playing football. And the fact that we're not entertaining that reality this afternoon 
is a very good thing. There is one news item. Bengals-Ravens on Sunday is going to go off at 1 o'clock. Yep. Uh, that uh, announcement uh, is being made as we speak, and so um, we at least have that puzzle piece slid in. Bengals-Ravens at uh, 1 o'clock. There is a lot more to decide, a lot more to figure out. Um, let me start with a question that I'm sure you have gotten publicly and privately a thousand times, uh, certainly for my vantage point going to the game as a fan on Monday. I've gotten it a bunch. Uh, you've covered a lot of stuff. Uh, you've covered a lot of interesting things. From your perspective, what's Monday night like? Uh, something I'll never forget. Um, I will never forget. You know, we, we, we couldn't have possibly have done a podcast after the game, after <laughs> what happened. And it took me going back home and uh, you know the next day, kind of rewatching what happened on TV because I didn't know what TV saw that we right that, and what we saw that TV didn't show because they had those long commercial breaks and everything, and so which was honestly harder to watch than than actually watching it in real time. Agreed. Knowing what happened next, I found that I was much more emotional rewatching it on television because I knew what happened rather than trying to figure it out in the moment as it was all unfolding live. But what it didn't really show as much is, is what I will never forget. And that was as everyone was in the circle around DeMar Hamlin, the the Bills players trying to block everyone from seeing the tragedy that was unfolding one at a time they would just kind of walk off into space, unable to handle it. And you would see one guy, you know, with his hands on his head, staring up into the sky, crying, and another one crouched down, and then somebody else, uh, you know, just almost almost just unable to even stand. And then a couple hugging each other, grown men in shoulder pads, hugging each other and crying on each other in the middle of the field, away from everyone, and and people on their knees, um, you know, just needing a break. And I'll never forget that because that to me defined the ultimate like visceral, guttural um, horror of what we all were having to witness there. And, And that to me stood out almost as much as any other thing that, that I saw, um, on Monday night. Two images will stick with me. One you just described. It was, you would have Bills players peeling themselves off of that huddle, oftentimes into the arms of a teammate. Mm -hmm. And you could just look at the body language, and you could just tell. This this is different. This isn't a a football injury, for Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way of putting it. The other one, and, and we'll talk about what you heard from Zach today, everything feels like, all right, the ambulance is off the field, now what? Yeah. And we're entertaining the possibility, at least, that, that a football game is about to be played. And sitting in the stadium where I sit, which is on the, the visitor side, looking over, and here comes Zach Taylor. And before he even reached Sean McDermott, saying out loud to anybody who would listen, they're not playing this football game. Watching those two men connect and meet in a very human moment, in a moment of joined leadership, that's a moment that I'm never going to forget. I thought it was Zach Taylor's shining moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought, you know, I've talked to a bunch of people in, in the building about this and that moment. And, and Zach, and the one thing that has um, 
stood out is everybody saying it's it's so unfortunate that it took this awful, awful situation for people to see this is why the team follows him. Mm -hmm. This is why this team loves him. This is why this culture is what it is because this is who he is in every situation. A a small one about, okay, you know, uh, T. Higgins lost his father. Mm -hmm. Go. go. Yeah. Or or, um, a coach has his kid is in a recital during a walkthrough. Go. Are you kidding me? Go. Right. Go. Um, Listen and adapt are sort of the two. In in our NFL world, what gets attention, right? Look at me yelling and screaming. Look look at this. And the greatest scheme, right? This is what I do. I'm smart because of this. Listen and adapt is really been Zach Taylor's philosophy since it's been here. Whether you're talking about offensive game plans, okay, you know what? It's not working. Let's bring in all the stuff Burrow did from LSU, or let's let's ditch all this wide zone and do this. To the simple way of dealing with people and dealing with moments is by listening and be willing to adapt and and connect and have compassion and understand. You can call it maybe a new school way. I don't know. if I think it's the evolution of kind of a lot of things. Yeah. But in the NFL, I think the embracing of this is kind of the direction the NFL has gone. I think he proved himself as a leader of that. The people in the building, the players, his staff have known this for a long time, that this is just kind of who he is. Um, it's no surprise that he took that philosophy into that moment of, I need to go listen to Sean. I need to go listen and be willing to adapt, and we need to figure out and talk through what, where we're all at with this. And for him to say, you know, obviously the most striking thing that he said today was when Sean said, I, I have to be with my player in the hospital. He said, I knew. That was it. Yeah. That was the moment. We're done. But this is over. This game is over. It's, we're not playing. And that you have to have a certain personality, a certain leadership style to understand that and to be willing to not just – obviously understand the situation but to be the leader in that moment and understand i need to listen to where everyone is at and not be like i'm the leader i need to start making decisions is a difference between zach taylor and a lot of people and i think that's really important to remember is that's really why this team has really you know followed him paul daner jr from the athletic uh is on twitter at paul daner jr there is a lot of ground to cover we'll talk about more more talk more about what happened on Monday and uh, look at what lies ahead and uh, the questions that have to be answered when we come back with the Moorline Lager House downtown Cincinnati on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. 19 minutes after 3 o'clock ESPN 1530 we're at the Moorline Lager House downtown Cincinnati broadcasting till uh, 6 o'clock the uh, most happy hour $5 happy hour menu is in full effect. Beautiful afternoon downtown Cincinnati. If you haven't heard, uh, Bengals game on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens will kick off at uh, 1 o'clock. You'll hear it live on ESPN 15.30. Pre-game coverage starts at uh, 9.05. Paul Daner Jr. from uh, The Athletic is uh, with us. So the football slash logistics part of this. Right. Um, whatever they do with that Bengals-Bills game, is less than ideal. We all acknowledge that. Yep. If I put you in charge, understanding the tight window they're in, understanding the logistical nightmares of any number of scenarios, understanding the, the, the desire to maintain competitive integrity, uh, understanding that no matter what you do, there's going to be gripes. What's the best solution? Well, 
<laughs> There's a reason I'm not in charge. Because I admit to you, I ask you this, acknowledging I struggle with this. Yeah, I, you know, to me, I feel like you're right. There's no easy way to win, and they have a lot of mouths to feed coming out of this, right? Mm-hmm. That if you're the league, are, who are you? Are you catering to the TV people that pay you all this money sure. to have these weekends be stuffed full of playoff football from beginning to end in your wild card? You added the Monday game and you, all mm-hmm. the, that comes, you know, those, they drive everyone's salary. That's where you're paying. Like, to me, I understand the need to feed that beast and have that schedule play itself out the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. I feel like the game should be resumed. I, I think the theory that the one that's out there of the NFC starting mm-hmm. early and the, and the Bills-Bengals game being played uh, on that, whatever, that Saturday or something, yeah. in that mix mm-hmm. – um, <clears throat> is not bad. I, of all the other, of all of them. Agreed. And where then you have you eventually both the NFC and the AFC play in that what would have been the bye week championship game. Mm-hmm. So you're not having advantage before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. There's just an extra bye sprinkled in there in the NFC early. Right. I don't, you know, to me that takes the least amount of competitive disadvantage out of it and all the games get played where everyone feels satisfied uh, by the results and the seeding, and no one's having to play on super short weeks mm-hmm. or anything like that. To me, that's probably the best one. I understand, though, that the first people with their hands raised there are the television networks sure. who, who have the biggest check, and they are like, we paid to have these weekends be with it. Tell them to just can this game, and let's play it out with them both having one less game. And I understand that, too. I don't have a problem... Uh, really too much with either of them other than it's unfortunate when you get into then all the seeding discrepancies and there's a lot of teams that are frustrated about that. Um, But again, that's the none of this is fair. To me, the one with the NFC and AFC on those early opposite schedules is the most fair if you are trying to complete all the games, which is what I would lean toward. From the standpoint of appeasing the television partners, there's, there's such thing as a make good. Yeah. You can figure that out. By the way, the, they're getting all the games. They're getting all the playoff games. You're just not getting them maybe how and when you expect it to Okay, get. so ESPN has a playoff game, has the Monday night playoff game, right? Bengals-Bills regular season finale in the aftermath of what we witnessed on Monday. Who's not watching that game? Right. It carries football implications. Would, yes, after the way that went down, the extraordinary nature of it, that's a ratings killer. Two teams playing, but potentially, certainly the Bills could be, for yeah. the number one seed overall. Right. As well, to get themselves. I mean, there's a, there obviously would be a lot on the line. I, I, you're right. I so think, you, you can say to ESPN, you're going to get that game on Saturday. It's sure. not going to be on Monday. You're going to get that game on Saturday, and then the NFC games on whatever combination of NBC, Fox, or whoever yeah. is going to carry them. I mean, I... I they're not taking the playoff games away from the TV partners. Yeah. And I know they, you know, whatever it is that for, I mean, if it's about, I hope, I certainly don't think it's about, I don't think there's any Pro Bowl considerations. Who cares? That's, I'm saying it's the only thing that's in that window. Right. And there's no reason, you know, these teams have been playing week to week forever. That, that buffer week has always been just strictly to build, you know, more anticipation. The Super Bowl does not need more hype. 
right. or anticipation. And I know you want to give the extra week, but, uh, you know, again, that's the ultimate look. These aren't ideal circumstances. That week goes away for everybody in the league understands that that's part of this. Uh, it's a tough decision. It's a tough decision. Um, but to me, I feel like with so many teams affected by it, that's the way that I would lean. But like with most, thing, most things with the league, I don't have a clue where they land on this because you never really quite can predict what the league will do in most situations. Do you have a of when we'll know? Because I think some were surprised when Troy Vincent spoke about an hour yeah. and a half ago or two hours ago that he made it seem like, look, we're just now starting to address this. I yeah. don't know if I completely believe that. But I don't know. I, I think that's the public. Here's, right. here's, here's, here's the way I take what's happening is they want to make the least possible decisions that they have to make in this exact moment from now until they hope to get more encouraging news about what's happening at the hospital. No question. And it is, look, any decision that we don't have to make today, don't make today. It's not about making decisions. It's about, you know, the health of DeMar. And so I think that's what you're seeing as far all the way down to what time were the Bengals and Ravens play. Let's yeah. push that one off another day. Even it doesn't matter because they you, just, you they don't to they announce don't, that by today. Right. There's a certain point where yesterday right. you had to say, look, teams, we're planning on playing this weekend. Mm-hmm. We're not going to guarantee anything for this weekend, but just so you know, you should be practicing tomorrow and showing up at your building prepared to play. That's not saying things won't change, but that's the current plan. They had to say that. It's the least they had to say, and they did the least that they had to do because they're trying to, to you know, cross every bridge you know, the last possible moment they have to. And the last one that they're going to have to cross is what to do with Bengals' bills and the playoff structure. I also don't think, I mean, not that you would put an asterisk next to anything that happened in the postseason, but if you had two teams that either went into the postseason having played 16 games or being awarded a tie, um, there are going to be folks who go, well, look, this game was played in this venue, but it wasn't earned by the team that hosted that game. I don't think the NFL wants those yeah buts. I don't think they want those invisible asterisks. And so you avoid all of that if you put forth the plan that you just talked about, yeah. which to me protects the competitive integrity as best as, as, best as you can. Yeah. It feels, I mean, it feels the most even. It, I mean, it would be one thing to me if there was a scenario coming out of this weekend where Bengals' bills might not have that much of fallout. Sure. Right? Or, you know, or heck, if, if uh, Bills, Patriots, and Bengals, Ravens wouldn't have much fallout, and you could play Bengals' bills first if the Bills were willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Any scenario where this game wouldn't have a significant ripple effect, if there was a chance that could happen, play the weekend out, and let's see where it stands if we even need to do this. There's just no scenario right. where a, a, you know, you're not taking – we have talked how many times about how this might be one of the most valuable number one seeds we've ever seen in the AFC yeah. because of the nature of the t- top three teams being so close and there being such a gap between the rest. To just let that hang out there, um, you know, that's, a, that's a huge ripple effect that is a, is a bigger – part of the competitive disadvantage than any of the stuff that we just mentioned. So from a competitive standpoint, you know, I, I think that's, um, there's really no other way other than to try to do it, but I totally get if they're just like, you know what, it's just not going to happen. And then overall this, you know, hangs 
the most important part is how's Demar? How's he doing? Sure. How are the Bills handling this? Can the Bills play? You know, and and that's hard. I, I gotta. I don't, don't want to just take too much of a tangent here, please. But I I couldn't help. I was thinking about it, about the '09 Bengals, um, who had to play after Chris Henry passed away, mm-hmm. and they Chris Henry passed away on I believe a Thursday. I was looking it up, and then they had to play in San Diego on Sunday, mm-hmm. and they had to go to the funeral in New Orleans on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and they did. They went through it. The league was like. You're playing through it. Right. I called Chris Crocker, who's like the best Mm -hmm. from that team. And I was just like, take me through a little bit more of that. And he just pointed out, yeah, it was, it was hard, but that's just the nature of things. You just, you, you, you have to find a way to power through it. The league has set this tone forever. Yeah. You better figure out a way to play through it. I, Mike Silver pointed this out that if you saw this about, Hey, let's not forget in 2012, you had a Kansas City Chiefs player who Javon Belcher, who yeah, killed his girlfriend and committed suicide in front of the head coach and the general manager two days before they had to, they were forced to play a game. Mm-hmm. These tragedies happen. This was public. The public nature of this makes it as you know as awful as we've ever maybe seen in the NFL. But tragedies that are shaking the core of teams and players happen all the time, and the NFL says play through it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the point of if you're wondering how the NFL might, you know, the, they don't want a bad PR hit. We know they live by that standard. Sure. Um, that said, their inclination in almost all of these types of tragic situations has been, you know what, this is what's best and we need to, we need to play through it. Teams got to figure it out and play through it. And I think that's going to be uh, something that we're going to hear and it's going to be hard to hear as we go forward. I don't think you're going to come off as heartless if you say to the Buffalo Bills, you've got a game on Sunday. Yeah. And look, hopefully by the time Sunday arrives, we have a lot of clarity about tomorrow. Absolutely. Hopefully he's, it continues to go in this right direction. It's going in the right direction. But, okay, you're processing this. This is your job. I mean, that's I, – I, I, I say this – having a complete amount of understanding of what those guys were going through and are dealing with. Um, Part of life is you're dealing with this. We're going to compartmentalize. You have to prepare to do your job. You're going to do the job to the best that you can. If you can figure out a way to channel what you're dealing with into positive energy for the game, then there we go. I, I think with time between Monday and Sunday, I think most professional athletes would understand why the league would insist that, that they do that. Yeah. And anecdotally, if there's a player who just can't go, then that organization is going to have to deal with it. But I, yeah. I don't know that you're being in, inhuman. It would be one thing if DeMar Hamlin is progressing and then Saturday something goes awry and he passes. That's something else. If this continues to go in an encouraging direction, I don't think you're being insensitive to tell the Buffalo Bills you got a game at 1 o'clock against the Patriots on Sunday. Yeah. I, I, Th- that's, I, that's what we do. That's what we do. And we all do that in our own lives. Sure. You know? I mean, it happens. <laughs> Everybody is dealing with stuff. This was public and brutal and something that these guys I know and we will never forget. And I can't imagine what they're going through having witnessed. But, you know, that is the thing is we all, everybody goes through. So some of it's just not as public. People don't know. I mean, guys on the team this year 
have played games after loved ones very close mm-hmm. to them have died or, or they're going through some kind of tragedy. And, you know, there's also a job to do. And, and, and I'm glad that there has been a lot of focus on mental health professionals being around for the Bills and for the Bengals and for anybody in this league, anywhere that needs it. And, you know, I, I think that's a really important thing that's to stress. And I'm so happy that we are talking so openly about the importance of that and how easy that is um, because it is a way for everybody to help process all of this. Um, but that's part of it is yeah. everyone has to process this and find ways uh, to move on. Yeah. Um Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you have to go? I'm not doing the thing. I, 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 have, I want to talk about Roger Goodell, but, but I've I got to get a break, and I don't want to keep you. I know you have an actual job to do. No, let's, 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 let's talk about Roger Goodell. All right, let me get a quick, quick break in. Yeah. We'll do, I wasn't doing the okay. where okay. I'm like, you can't say. This is, I, I, this is too good of a conversation. I don't want to walk away from it. Right right 27 away from it. not before I've, we take I've, shots at Roger Goodell. I've pulled, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the fun part. Yeah, this can, is the best part. Right. <laughs> we need to get through that to get yeah. to this. 26 away from uh, 4 o'clock, Moreland Lager House. Here with uh, Paul Daner Jr. for one more segment on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Three minutes away from uh, 4 o'clock on ESPN 15:30. Quick sports update is a service of Kelsey Chevrolet, home of lifetime powertrain protection and guaranteed credit approval from their family to yours for life, KelseyChev.com. Uh, NFL has uh, made no determination as to what's going to happen with the uh, Bengals-Bills game that was postponed on Monday night. Uh, the announcement has been made that the Bengals-Ravens game on Sunday will kick off at uh, 1 o'clock. You'll hear that game live on ESPN 1530. We'll uh, get to the uh, college basketball slate for tonight coming up here in just a bit. Sean Miller is going to spend a few minutes with us at uh, 4.05 in between his team's win over UConn and their game this weekend against uh, Villanova. One thing really quick before we uh, talk about Roger Goodell. If they were to play Bengals-Bills, does that get picked up at 7-3 with Cincinnati with the football, or do we start from scratch? I would assume 7-3 Cincinnati with the football. You've got part of the game in right I would think you would pick up where you start where you left off then I mean trust me the absolute lowest rung of the ladder of things that I care about but the statistics can just flow right through sure keep everything there and everything just kind of it's I think it's easier just to pick up where you left off. agreed um Roger Goodell did not talk publicly on Monday night Troy Vincent was made available um and in that moment I get it. He's the operations guy. Okay, fine. Uh, NFL medical professionals were made available today. Troy Vincent was made available today. 
uh, he emphatically stated uh, that all along that they wanted to move on from the game, postpone it, all that. Roger Goodell was nowhere to be heard or seen. Why? It's a good question because he's often nowhere to be heard Correct. or seen. Correct. You know, I think he feels like he will only speak if it's something. I, I don't know what it needs to be bigger than this. So I, I put that on Twitter. What is the level? I mean, yeah. He's been the commissioner of the league since 2006, mm-hmm. okay? So you think of those 16 years, there have been extenuating circumstances like the, the league getting through the, the, the COVID season. What are the extenuating circumstances that would demand Roger Goodell answer questions from reporters if it's not this one? And not only that, now twice – Troy Vincent has had to be out there answering for Goodell about the conversations he had with Goodell. Right. Both in the, in the post-game conference call and now here today talking about his conversations with Roger Goodell. Well, how about Roger Goodell answer about his conversations with everyone and his decision to make this decision, right? If it does eventually, that is his call. I mean, he's the one, right? And so I, I just... I'm with you. I don't understand if, if he wants to – why he can't be a part of a conference call. I, I don't need Roger Goodell standing here in front of whatever, New York, or whatever, right. for hour, however long. I, I need him to explain himself, and he does need to take some questions, and then we can move it on. But I, I just it's, – it's ridiculous. But it's, it's kind of just standard uh, par for the course stuff here. I mean, it just seems like this is always where we end up. I mean, he has one of the voices of his league doubling down on the information we got in the booth from their rules guy, John Perry, was that the game is going to restart. Joe Buck has doubled down on that. Yeah. Okay, where did that information come from? I don't know that Troy Vincent was, was asked that question today, and I don't think that's his question to answer. I think it's the $64 million a year commissioner of the National Football League. It is. And, and here I thought, I thought Zach Taylor said it perfectly today in that, look, it all ended up at the right decision. No question. We, it, I, no it, question. Here's the thing. There's no reason to come out on Monday night at 12.05 a.m. and lie and say, yeah, yeah, and we, yeah we, never, we never for a second. Right. Look, every game that's ever been played, no matter what has happened, the inclination is always this game goes on. It typically goes on. It was a legitimate question. And it was okay to talk through what is supposed to happen here. You're sitting at home. You're not seeing what those in the stadium are seeing and what the coaches were seeing on the field. You're watching. It's on commercial. You don't, you don't know. You're trying to be in contact with people. You, what happened was what needed to happen, and it's okay to say that, yet sure, sitting at home, not knowing the tone on the field, not knowing what people were seeing, not having talked to Donna Ponte or not having talked to Zach Taylor or, or Sean McDermott, we were thinking the game might go on, but then the, the moment we did and we had those conversations, we instantly knew they're absolutely right. There's no question. This cannot happen. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to say that, but the need to like – Dig in on the other side uh, that night, to me, is silly. 
And, and it makes that, I, I don't think they would be getting killed for that. And I don't know, maybe they would. Maybe they would be getting crushed on the internet, but everyone's always getting crushed on the internet right. for, for, for saying that. But for that to be the initial reaction, and then obviously as soon as you started talking to people, having really understood what was happening on the ground here, realizing, okay, obviously we're, that's, we know what we're doing now. That's, right. that's it. Right. There's no, wrong, there's no harm in that. There was so much happening. Like, there's no harm in, in admitting that, yeah, our brain was trying to figure out what was going on not having been there. But to dig in and go the other direction and for no reason and now being exposed by one of your TV partners and everything else uh, who, who aren't backing down, it's just, it's just unne- it's an unnecessary air in my opinion. And I, I just the, the leadership void by the commissioner. I mean, yeah. they're going to make a decision about what to do with this game. Understanding the, the ripple effects of that decision. Is, is Roger not going to answer questions about that? And just, and just walk us through the process. Walk us through the, the decision-making. Walk us through why this solution logistically didn't make sense and why competitively this solution made more sense than, than this solution. We're not going to hear from the commissioner of the national... If this isn't when the commissioner of the NFL is going to talk, then, then when will he? And if he's not going to speak during extenuating circumstances and times of crisis, then what, what good is he? What is he even doing? What, what, what's, what's his your job? job? What's what his job? Your yes. Job? You're here to be a leader in these moments as well. When we clearly know who the leaders were. It was Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor. Yeah. And that's fine. But, uh, you know, and maybe it's a thing where he's like, well, look, I'm going to wait until we know 100% what we're doing with all the stuff like we just talked about with logistics or whatever. Okay. Uh, that's fine. There's, there's no way that he can't be a part of some of the stuff that has gone on along the way at this point. Uh, I'm with you. And, um, but... So it goes with the NFL. That, that's, but it's part. It, it's unsurprising. Yeah, that's, that, that's the thing. Yeah. It's 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 unsurprising. Part of me thought Troy Vincent spoke today, and there was an incredible amount of emotion in his voice. And I thought, well, okay, Roger Goodell is probably incapable of such a thing. So maybe it. <laughs> may, I mean, honest to God, I, every time I've ever listened to the guy talk, whenever it actually does happen, he, he when he smiles, it looks like it hurts him. <laughs> I mean, the draft when he was narrating it from his uh, living room with his Smedium uh, shirt on <laughs> and he's got the M&Ms. I mean, like, Roger even attempting to come off like a human being looked like it was painful. And so maybe Troy Vincent's better at that and so it made more sense. But the fact that the commissioner of the NFL won't speak now is remarkable to me. And even more so if we don't even hear from him between now and when they do finalize whatever's going to happen going forward or at some point uh, before when we talk more about what's happening with with DeMar Hamlin because um, he certainly should be. Yeah. All right. You got to go. All right. I Thanks, appreciate Mo. it, man. Appreciate it. Paul yep. Tanner Jr. covering the Bengals for The Athletic. Uh, you can read his work at theathletic.com and make sure you follow him on Twitter at Paul Daner Jr. It is uh, 14 minutes away from uh, 4 o'clock. I'm Mo Egger here at the Amorland Lager House, downtown Cincinnati on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. In the NHL. Streaming Cincinnati's ESPN 1530 from iHeartRadio. Seems like a, a little bit of a weird question to ask, but uh, nonetheless, I've got an answer for you. Devils, Red Wings, Lightning, Wild, Stars, Ducks. See, you ask, I give you an answer, and we are good to go. Amorland Lager House is where we are this afternoon. Beautiful uh, Wednesday uh, if uh, you haven't heard the Bengals game on Sunday, we'll be played at 1 o'clock against uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, we await a word on what's going to happen with the Bengals-Bills game. Is it going to be replayed? Look, I, there's 
I think we all acknowledge no, no outcome that's going to leave everybody satisfied, right? Um, but I agree with what Paul said, and I, I, I would be interested in if this isn't the direction the NFL chose to go, what would be the main reason why? Um, and it's, it, it, it's, it's okay to proceed. It, it's, it's, the National Football League has not stopped doing business. The, the, the NFL network is still on. You can still buy tickets at NFL.com. Teams are preparing for their games this weekend, and everybody is doing so wishing uh, for nothing but the best for DeMar Hamlin. Um, and, and I think everybody is very, very optimistic about some of the encouraging things we're hearing from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. The NFL's business has not stopped, and, and that's, that's okay. Part of the NFL's business is determining how do we best maintain competitive integrity. That's part of the NFL's business. It's why for years Roger Goodell was anti-gambling. We want to compete. We, we, that's why he was on the, the silly uh, de- deflate gate crusade. We want to protect the NFL's competitive integrity. Now, unfortunately, you are dealing here with a series of inst- extenuating circumstances that are, in this sport, unprecedented, right? You have a, a game that got postponed for reasons that nobody could have anticipated this late in the season involving two teams that still had a lot to play for. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That game on Monday was going to have, regardless of who won, uh, significant implications on the AFC playoff field. If you are still doing business, then you can proceed with the business of doing everything you can to protect the league's competitive integrity. And the best way to do that, acknowledging that it's less than ideal, is to have the Bengals and Bills play the football game next weekend. And yes, the TV broadcast partners would probably not love it. The TV broadcast partners are still going to make a lot of money during the NFL playoffs. And whatever they're not going to get, you can make good. The NFL is continuing doing business. A part of the NFL's business has been to protect the league's competitive integrity. The best way you do that is by not having two teams that only played 16 games entering the postseason. More on this coming up in a bit. Xavier head coach Sean Miller coming up when we come back. Moreline Lagerhouse is where we are today until 6 o'clock on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. 
No one covers the Bengals like ESPN 1530, Cincinnati's sports station. All right, there you go. It's uh, five minutes after four o'clock on ESPN 1530. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good afternoon. I'm Mo Egger, broadcasting this afternoon from the uh, Moreland Locker House. Uh, downtown Cincinnati, you'll hear the thoughts of the NFL's vice president of uh, football operations, Troy Vincent, who spoke a little while ago. Uh, we'll have that for you coming up in about uh, 15 minutes. Xavier Musketeers on what was a loaded sports weekend in Cincinnati uh, played an immensely fun game in front of an awesome crowd at the Cintas Center, knocking off at the time an undefeated UConn team and vaulting themselves up to 18th in both major polls. A huge win for Sean Miller's team which is unbeaten in Big East play, getting set to take on Villanova on the road uh, this Saturday. Uh, I thought it'd be uh, fun to welcome in the uh, head coach of the Musketeers, Sean Miller. Coach, it is uh, good to have you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine, Mo. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm going to start with this because I, I know it's something you put on your social media. We've been talking about DeMar Hamlin a lot over the last couple of days. Uh, there's some commonality there. University of Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania, I would imagine when you have that sort of commonality with someone that we're all hoping uh, pulls through what he's dealing with, it, it hits home a little bit more closely. Yeah, I mean, like like everybody uh, on Thursday, me being a sports uh, fan, or I'm sorry, Monday, um, you know, we don't have a game this week in, until we get to the weekend. So having some extra downtime, I mean, I, I was uh, locked into the – Bengals Bills game and uh excited to to watch it like everybody and man when that happened uh man it just it just changed the world almost you know I, I don't really have a reaction other than you could tell the second that it happened even as a tv viewer that it felt different and uh and then just the aftermath of it all I didn't realize DeMar and not only went to Pitt but uh it's from the Keys Rocks which is right there in Pittsburgh uh, I saw his toy drive, which is an incredible story. I mean, where is it at right now? The last time I checked, it was five million. I know I gave I gave to it just that night. Uh, it's just amazing what that has done. Are you aware of that, Mo? Is his uh, toy drive where that's at? Yeah. So the last I saw, uh, and and I can't cite offhand where the report was, but but it was approaching like six million dollars for which is yeah. Is, is it's over yeah. six million dollars, which is remarkable. People always talk about, you know, sometimes the, the darker side of social media and stuff like that. That's the good, and so that is. I, I hope to God he is able to one day appreciate that and and have a, a say in in where that money goes. That would be that would be the absolute best. No, for sure, and that's what I wanted to bring up. Just you know, just watching uh, the NFL, the power of the NFL, the power of social media in a good way, just I think the good heart of people in general uh, seeing what they saw, it was a way for all of us to just kind of reach out and do just the smallest of, of parts, you know. And then just the UC medical group, just watching how they did it, you know, on the field and knowing the care that he has. You know, man, I just – thoughts and prayers are not only with him but his family – I can only imagine I, – I can't imagine what they're going through, but just I check on it like by the hour. I just I want to get a good update, you know, and uh, and hopefully like like we, you just mentioned that the outcome is, is good across the board for, for, all, for, for him. 
Yeah, no question, and uh, and very well said. I'll make the uh, I'll make the transition to basketball. You don't have a game during the week. Uh, typically, Big East play has a cadence. There'll be a game on the weekend, game midweek, and I know that's how it works in most conferences. When when you have a little extra time between a game like the magnitude of UConn and then the one you have this coming Saturday against Villanova. How does it impact practice? Are you able to kind of get a little bit more work done since you're not, you know, game planning and, and doing stuff specific for an opponent in a couple of days? How does that work? Yeah, sometimes when it comes, Mo, I, I think you wish that it didn't, you know, if you're playing well, et cetera. In this particular case for us, I, it actually came at an ideal time. I mean, if you followed us like you do, you know, you know, like December was a, a, a battle-tested month. I mean, we played really big games. We were coming off of the PK85 uh, tournament at the end of November, and like December just flew by in large part because – we challenged ourselves. You have to deal with the Christmas break. And then there really was very little Christmas break. We got right into the Big East with Seton Hall and Georgetown. And then UConn, it almost just felt like, man, we, we just would like to catch our breath. And this week allows us to do that. Clearly, we're practicing. But I, I think that there's something to be said about just clearing your mind, having an opportunity to uh, to be as healthy as you can. It's a long grind. We have 16 Big East games remaining eight at home and eight on the road. And uh, and look, as you just look at our schedule, we play at Villanova, and then it's Creighton and Marquette at home. Both Creighton and Marquette are playing lights out. I think Villanova is back. I think they're going to be a really tough team to beat from this point forward. So, I mean, look, it's just every night is a test. So to answer your question, uh, we were trying to really use this week for what it is, and that's to be ready for Saturday and get healthy. You knew if you were going to beat UConn, your team was going to have to execute down the stretch. And you had some games earlier this season, some of which you won. Think West Virginia, think Cincinnati, where uh, you got the job done late. You had games in the middle of that gauntlet, Gonzaga, Duke, where things didn't necessarily go your way. Where where did that schedule pay off in terms of, of how your team was able to get the job done on Saturday against the Huskies? Yeah, I felt like uh, when we got back from Portland playing those three games, you know, Florida, Duke, and Gonzaga in four days, and just the lessons that we learned, the familiarity that we gained, you know, just as a veteran of a group as we have, you know, a new coach, a new staff, it just takes time. Just the time is not necessarily on your side in the month of November, December. But, like, the more that, that things go forward, then, you know, that familiarity starts to help. And I just felt like we were more, we were tougher. We were more battle-tested when we played teams like West Virginia and at UC. And I really felt the same way against UConn. Whether we won the game or not, we were clearly a much better overall team uh, than we were, than we once were. And, you know, I think the quest for us is, is to build on that and have more moments like that in our future, knowing that we have to continue to develop. It helps when you get the Colby Jones you got in the second half against uh, UConn and, and maybe not so much the, the performance you got in the first half. Um, is, do you say something to him? Is there a specific message? Is it just, look, th- this dude's an all-Big East caliber player. He's, he's going to figure it out. When you went back and watched critically, what was the difference? Size up what we saw both good and bad from Colby on Saturday. No, that's a very, very keen observation on your part. Uh, Colby in the first half, you know, he, he just he almost didn't have it. 
and sometimes uh, over a long course of the season that happens. But rarely when you don't have it in the big game in the first 20 minutes do you come out after halftime and almost flip it. And he became, in essence, our best player in the second half. That's the Colby's credit. I, I think that says a lot about his maturity. Uh, you know, sometimes a player can lose confidence and not get it back until maybe the next game or sometimes the next week or two. But in his case, uh, I, I just think that he's far enough up the ladder with how hard he's worked, his processes. Mo, his process on a daily basis will be as good as anybody in the city, anybody on the Bengals, any, you name the sport, if they're a true professional I'll put Colby Jones's process and his daily approach up against theirs. He just he does things correctly in practice, film, just how he goes about his business in a way that I haven't coached many guys like it. And, and I think that process won out. He did. He had a great second half, and I think that says a lot about his future. When, when you've got a guy like a Sule Boom who can control the game, e- even if he's not having a, a great shooting night, and, and he didn't against uh, UConn, you don't want to take him off the floor. And so you don't. In fact, against UConn, I mean, he played a light load only 38 minutes. Do, do you go into a game thinking, you know what, i, I got to find spots where I, I can get him a blow? Or, or is it, you know what, <sighs> depending on how the outcome goes, we, we might, might have to do with him what we did against St. John's and – and he goes the distance. He goes all 40. How does that work? Yeah, no, I mean, you have to have a feel of the game, and, and Sule is very valuable. I, I will say, though, uh, we're looking for ways to be able to get him some rest, and, and I believe that the Dez Claude continues to grow, mature, improve. Dez gives us a lot of good minutes right now, and, and I think that we're all learning to trust him even more. He's learning, Dez is learning to trust himself as that point guard, because as you know, Mo, it's when you come in the game and you have Sule in the game as a guard, you're, you're freed up to play your game. He, he's, he's in charge of the team. If you come in the game for Sule, you're the point guard, so you're in charge of everybody. And that, that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. So for a freshman, I think that's the hardest thing to, to develop. But uh, the longer that we coach Daz, and I think the more that he's here, I think he becomes the answer to giving Sule that, that breather and and maybe give us even more depth than we've had recently. The, the last time I chatted with you, uh, I think I was your ninth interview of the day. We were at Skyline Chili uh, talking about the shootout, and, and you brought up your team defensively, and you said, look, I, I just I got to ask some of these guys to just play better defense. I know collectively yeah. you're not where you want to be, but, but are you pleased with where, you've, uh, with where you've arrived from where we were then about a month ago to where we are now? Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, no, we're we're better by inches. We're better. We're better by <laughs> inches. So, you know, maybe maybe we got an inch and a half. Now we're up to two. We're getting. We're trying to get three inches better. You know. Uh, and then look, uh, I, I think our guys are really working at it. it it's not because of a attitude. It, it, you know, it's it's something that you know I think some of our gifts on offense uh, maybe become our curse on defense. But that's up to us as a coaching staff to figure it out. And uh, you know, I thought there were times in the second half against UConn that if we didn't play really solid defense, we wouldn't have won the game. But we did. And uh, and that's the confidence sometimes you can gain from a game like UConn, when you can guard a group like that with so much at stake, you know, kind of gives yourself that that feeling that we we can do this, we can do it again. But uh, we have to keep getting better on that side. I, I do think we made a lot of progress since you and I talked, though. If I had my way, after watching the the St. John's game, you'd be mic'd up for every game. I'd be in the huddle. I'd be watching you interact with you. That was just, if you're a basketball nerd, that was, that was the best. And kind of walk me through that. I know it's not something you want to do, uh, but, yeah. but I, I love that stuff. And, and I, I love it when it feels like the, the coach is, is, doesn't really care that the camera's there, doesn't care that the microphone is there. What was that experience like from, from, from where you stand? It's definitely a unique experience. I'll say that, you know, Steve Shear that, is a good friend of mine. He worked for a long, long time, years, decades at CBS, and he now works for Fox. And he talked to me as far back as 10 years ago, got to get you on this all access, et cetera. And I, I finally caved in. I, I was just like, enough. I, I'll do it. <laughs> and then once I, you're going to leave me alone, right? And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it ended up working out. Number one, we won the game. Uh, it was a great game. And, um, you know, as much as you try, Mo, to like, say, hey, the mic's on, the mic's on, the mic's on, at least from me, uh, there's a point where you, you don't even realize the mic's on, and uh, you just you just try to coach and be yourself as, as best that you can, but when you finally can take that thing off, it is a leap. <laughs> I mean, it's like hours of just, oh, you know, uh, last thing you want to do is say something wrong, but yeah, the feedback I think that I've gotten has been positive, uh, but not enough to make me want to do it anytime soon, I'll give you that. Yeah, I watching you talk to your guys at halftime. I was watching the boom mic operator, and I mean he was he was the MVP. Uh, you know he's he's got the thing close to your head, but it's it's not intrusive. And I thought I I watched that the entire time, thinking, Oh God, as he's talking to his players, please please don't please don't drop the mic, please don't hit him. I don't want to watch that. Fortunately, he did his job. You did yours, and, and the team won the game. Uh, congratulations to uh, a great start in uh, Big East play. Hopefully, we can do it soon. Thanks so much. You got him, Owen. Our fans were amazing against UConn. I can't thank them enough. And looking forward to the eight remaining home games at, at the Centos Center. Yeah, no question about that. On the road at uh, Villanova and then Creighton and Marquette, both at home next week. The uh, head coach of the Musketeers, Sean Miller. Coach, I appreciate the time. Thank you. All right, thank you. You got it. Uh, Muskies with a win against uh, Yuzza. Heck of a basketball game on a night where – uh, it felt like early in the second half that game was going to go the other way. And uh, Sean Miller's team, Colby Jones, was fantastic. Jerome Hunter was great off the bench. And uh, XU hands UConn its first conference loss. Musketeers against Villanova this Saturday uh, in suburban Philadelphia. 18 minutes after 4 o'clock. All right. Um, obviously a lot that we're dealing with. If you haven't heard 
way. The, uh, the Bengals-Ravens game at Sunday is going to be at 1 o'clock. Uh, there has been no determination as to uh, if the Bengals-Bills game is going to resume, if it's going to be uh, played next week, if it's going to uh, be played at all, if it's going to be played from the beginning. If it's, if it's, there's, we don't know anything. What we do know is the Bengals are going to play on Sunday against Baltimore. Uh, Zach Taylor spoke uh, earlier today. We'll have that press conference for you in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. I'll have some uh, Troy Vincent for you coming up here in about uh, 20 minutes. Some uh, thoughts on uh, Monday night and, and how it was handled by the NFL coming up on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. 24 minutes after 4 o'clock on ESPN 1530. I'm Mo Egger. Uh, if you missed yesterday's Tony and Mo football show, it is on the iHeartRadio app. You can also, also find it on the podcast page at ESPN1530.com and on my website at ESPN1530.com as well. It's a service of uh, Long Neck Sports Grill. Uh, that show yesterday, um, you know, I, I've had some people, I had some people say to me in the hours before yesterday's show, well, good luck today. And I appreciate it. It was a different type of show to do. It was the sort of show that we didn't really want to do, but yet you had to. Um, and it was funny. I said to somebody this morning who asked how it went, the first thing I said was, well, why weren't you listening? The second thing I said was, you know, to a degree, we just kept going in circles saying some of the same things, and we basically covered three different topics. One, um, the human and, and medical aspect of what DeMar Hamlin experienced and what everybody else experienced. Two, uh, whether or not the NFL tried to resume the game. And three, what should happen next? And those were the big three topics. <clears throat> and I, I said to somebody uh, earlier uh, this morning, that I, I didn't know how good the show was, uh, mainly because I was hosting it, but, but I didn't know how good the show was because it kind of felt repetitive, but also I don't think there was anything really new there. And this highlights something that I've been thinking about uh, a lot over the last day or so, watching everybody weigh in. I don't know if I have many strengths as a talk show host. I do think at times one of my weaknesses is I'm not really good at coming up with a fresh new take that nobody's thought of if I genuinely don't have one. And so my takes yesterday were basically, God, that really stunk. Man, I hope he's okay. Uh, I'm curious as to whether the NFL really tried to make the teams warm up and play football again, and what happens next. That's it. I, I, didn't, have, I, I didn't have a creative new take, and, and maybe that highlights my weaknesses as a radio personality. The reason I bring this up in the the kind of the climate that we're in, I think at times there is uh, an almost built-in pressure to come up with the angle that nobody has thought of. And by the way, that's, that is a part of what we do for a living, right? It makes no sense if Tony Pike says the same thing as Mo, who says the same thing as Austin, who says the same thing as Lance, who says the same thing as Ken Brew, who says, I mean, it doesn't work that way. It's not how we want it to work unless you watch those cable news channels where everybody just wants to watch somebody they agree with. Um, but, but in a moment like yesterday or a situation like yesterday, I'm not necessarily good at twisting my brain in a way that's going to compel me to come up with a creative take like T. Higgins is complicit here. I just, I don't, I don't have that in me, but a lot of people do. And that's just sort of a byproduct of 
the, the volume of people offering opinions on things like what happened on Monday night, whether they be on television networks or on podcasts or uh, newspaper columns, internet columns, folks with substantial Twitter follow, uh, uh, followings, um, eventually somebody in an effort to be the first to have this take or to, to have the take that nobody has thought of, eventually somebody is going to say something stupid. My advice in this climate is to ignore those people and not give them airspace in your head and not amplify their opinions. By the way, I've been guilty of amplifying. And you know, Skip, Skip Bayless's tweet on Monday night I, I think was largely, including by myself, largely misinterpreted. But, you know, on the shows like that where there is often a take that just feels almost contrived or not necessarily well thought out, I've become pretty good at not letting that take or that perspective take up space in my head. So Bart Scott, who talked about T. Higgins' role in what happened on Monday, I saw the clip, I heard it, it doesn't affect me. Because what I put a little bit more value in are the folks that donated nearly $6 million in counting toward DeMar Hamlin's toy drive. Or the folks working on him at Paycor Stadium who saved his life. I mean, think about that. Um, if you were in attendance, if, if you had a chance to, to see any of what was going on, and you certainly can't be blamed if you chose to avert your eyes or not go out of your way to see what was going on, given the fact that the players on the field were doing everything they can to shield what was happening. Um, if, if, if DeMar Hamlin gets through this, 65,000 people will have witnessed highly trained professionals saving somebody's life. That's awesome. That should be your focus. Those should be the people that you're talking about. And so, like, I'm not a big fan of, like, this person said this, so now I'm angry. Um, and I like how I... I, 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 I like that about myself. So it's like on Monday, the folks who were running to the conclusion that DeMar Hamlin took vaccines for COVID-19, and that's why he suffered what he suffered. You don't know that. I don't know that. N- none of us know that. It's an irresponsible conclusion to draw. It's an irresponsable conclusion uh, to draw that uh, T. Higgins was uh, complicit in what happened because of how he chose to act during the play that resulted in DeMar Hamlin's heart stopping. Don't focus on people who are offering irresponsible takes. Don't focus on people who are saying stupid things simply for the sake of coming up with the take that nobody has thought about. If you want to channel energy into something, it's appreciation for the folks at UC Medical Center who are working on DeMar Hamlin and work on folks who uh, go into intensive care with something similar every single day. Or Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott coming together in a very human moment along with the captains of their respective teams to head off even the, the possibility of playing that football game or the difficulty with which um, the, the players uh, are getting through these Uh, coming days and and the people who are going to help them either publicly or privately. I I just, I've gotten good at 
seeing somebody say something stupid. And by the way, I say this as somebody who said a lot of really dumb things on the radio. Uh, here's somebody who said something stupid. Okay, they said it. Does it impact me? Does it impact how I feel? Is it worth giving air to? Is it worth amplifying? With Bart Scott, the answer is no. And with a lot of the people who are putting out there on social media some of the absolute inane things that were out there, the answer is no. Think about how much money would have been raised for DeMar Hamlin's toy fund had uh, the folks who were, I don't know, fighting off conspiracy theories and heading off idiots who were saying dumb things if, I don't know, they instead spent 10 bucks on the toy fund or retweeted it. Um, We are going to chat with a doctor about uh, life-saving techniques and uh, equipment that could be used and how something like what we saw on Monday could be prevented at both the professional and youth sports level when we come back. Moreline Lager House is where we are today on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Where's the Bengals? Like ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. 22 minutes away from 5 o'clock on ESPN 1530. The Bengals and Ravens game will kick off at 1 o'clock on Sunday, live on ESPN 1530. Pre-game coverage starts at uh, 9.05. On Wednesdays, well, we've spent all season talking injuries, mainly all across the NFL with one of the experts at Ortho Cincy. Uh, Ortho Cincy, they have specialists and locations all throughout the tri-state. They also walk, offer walk-in orthopedic urgent care with evening and Saturday hours. You can check out orthocincy.com to learn more. That's ortho, C-I-N-C-Y, to uh, learn more. With us this week, and I, I appreciate the time. Obviously, we're talking about a, uh, an unusual set of circumstances, an unfortunate set of circumstances, and a very different set of circumstances than we're used to. So I do appreciate the time of uh, Dr. Matt Desjardins, who is uh, with us from uh, ortho, since he, let's talk about blunt force to the chest. What sort of impact could conceivably cause a heart to stop beating? Yeah, so the most likely or common uh, impact in sports would be something that causes commotio cordis is the is the name for it. And you can see it more commonly in ball sports such as baseball, lacrosse, or even hockey. And what happens, uh, Mo, uh, in that case is that if you get a ball or a puck directly to the right area of the chest, the correct area of the chest at the correct timing, and if the force is strong enough, it can actually cause the heart to go out of its normal rhythm. What sort of equipment, football, uh, other sports, what sort of equipment could protect younger athletes from suffering, suffering a significant chest injury? Yeah, so this has been looked at, and uh, some of this equipment is common in use. So, so common things would be chest pr- protectors such as baseball catchers. Um, in football, uh, for example, the, the pads, the shoulder pads that the players use do come down over the chest. And so when they're in proper position, they do offer some protection. There's been some additional uh, padded shirts that uh, some athletes will use that are in high-risk positions. Again, baseball catching uh, would probably be one of the highest. Um, lacrosse goalies, another one of the highest. Um, so some players will use a padded shirt and then the uh, the harder protection over top of that. And so those those things are already available out there. Unfortunately, some of the studies that have been done on it um, haven't been shown for sure that it's going to protect from catastrophic injuries, such as what happened uh, the other night. And even the cases of commotion cortis that have been recorded, about 30% of those in sports, the athletes had chest protection on. So it's not foolproof. 
It goes without saying that on Monday night, time was very clearly of the essence. Uh, Walk me through how critical those early moments are when you're dealing with something of that magnitude. Boy, that's a great question. Um, It's it's essential and and so critical. In any cardiac emergency like that, timing is, is everything. And so you saw very quick action by the medical personnel on the field and, and seconds and minutes count. And so you want to, you want to have a quick assessment by medical personnel. You want to have very quick access to an AED. And so what the AED does, once you put the pads on, it kind of walks you through what it recommends, meaning do you continue CPR? Does it recommend a shock? It, it's very user-friendly, even for lay people. And so the earlier you institute, um, that kind of emergency action, the more likely you are to have a successful outcome. And so that, that emergency action plan, the NFL does this at every game. They have a medical, we call it a medical timeout, uh, where the, all the medical personnel meet. They figure out where the EMS is. They figure out who the, the players are that are going to be involved in any emergency care, and they walk through it before every game. I, I, I don't recall who put this on social media, but I but I read a tweet that said something that I thought was profound, and it read that one of the best places to suffer something as potentially devastating as what we saw on Monday night is on the field and at, at an NFL game because of the medical personnel available, of the equipment that's available. That's not necessarily the case at the high school level, at the youth sports level. And, and you mentioned AEDs. I know there's a huge movement to make AEDs available at every high school sporting event. Uh, and, and obviously, I, I, that would be ideal. Um, it's not reality. What sort of staffing and equipment should people insist are in place to help prevent something as catastrophic as what we saw on Monday? Yeah, so, so really two things. Um, first thing that can be done through youth organizations is good training for, for coaches. And so a lot of them will require that the coaches have CPR training. And so that's probably going to be the easiest because coaches typically have to do some sort of sports safety training if you're going to volunteer as a coach in a youth, youth baseball league or youth football. And certainly at the scholastic level, those are those are pretty much mandated by, this, by the state. So so good and updated CPR training by the, the coaching staff and the people who are going to be around the kids. That's probably the easiest uh, to implement. The AEDs are, are critical. Um, at the school level, a lot of schools will have those in place. And as you mentioned, at the youth level, that's going to be much more demanding. You know, you may have a, a ball field, which, you know, it's very little use is in a remote location. And it's not practical to, to, to outfit that with an AED monitor versus if you have a big softball complex, it might be much more practical. So um, good training by the coaching staff um, should be pretty easy to do. AEDs if possible, but it's not going to be practical for all situations. Maybe kind of a weird question, but I would imagine there were some folks who were either there or who watched that on Monday night and said, you know what, I, I, need, I need to learn some, some life-saving techniques. I need to learn CPR. If, if you're in that category, um, how does someone learn such things? Uh, where can someone learn such things? Yeah, so, so that should be really easy for the, the general public. A um, couple simple tips you could do. The American Heart Association, uh, you can go on their website, type in your zip code, and they'll, they'll ping off in a map places where you can access uh, American Heart Association approved training. And if you did that in Cincinnati, you'll get 20, 20 dots that light up on places that you can contact. So American Heart would be one. 
Another one would be the American Red Cross. A lot of people get their, their certification through the Red Cross. And then a third option would be contact your local fire department and they could connect you with, with that kind of access. But it's widely available. Um, babysitters do it. Coaches do it. Um, people who work with seniors do it. There's, there's not a good reason not to do it. Outstanding stuff. That was terrific. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. I hope that's helpful. Definitely was, Dr. Matt Desjardins from uh, Ortho Cincy. I say this all the time. The great thing about the folks at Ortho Cincy, they have specialists and locations all across the tri-state, including walk-in orthopedic urgent care. They have evening hours and Saturday hours in Edgewood and Eastgate for your convenience. It is easier and uh, certainly cheaper than going to an ER when you have an urgent orthopedic injury. Go to orthocincy.com. That's ortho, C-I-N-C-Y. You know, there is something you could do. You could channel your rage into learning CPR. Like, there's, there's lots of things you could do. You can be mad online and uh, fire off a thousand tweets about Bart Scott, or you could take that energy into doing some good and maybe helping somebody. How about that idea, helping somebody? Uh, 14 away from uh, 5 o'clock, Troy Vincent spoke today about uh, what went down on Monday night. Uh, he is the NFL VP of uh, Football Ops. You'll hear what he had to say next on ESPN 1530. Hey Alexa, who got hurt? Getting ESPN 1530 from iHeartRadio. 11.08 from uh, 5 o'clock ESPN 1530 broadcasting this afternoon from the uh, Moreline Lager House downtown Cincinnati. It's uh, Moe's Happy Hour and Burger Wednesday. Uh, let's see, Richard Skinner's going to join us in about uh, 30 minutes. The NFL's Vice President of Football Operations, uh, Troy Vincent uh, was a part of a, uh, a conference call today with uh, members of the media. And uh, here is a brief snippet of that in addressing whether or not the teams were told to warm up in preparation for resuming the game on Monday night. Uh, hi, everybody. Um, I had a couple questions. One, um, could you give us an update on whether there's been any movement about actually officially canceling the game or doing something um, with, with regards to how it would affect uh, the standings and the seedings and, and where you may go with that. I know that week 18 games, as, as mentioned yesterday, are, are all on tack. And the second question is for either Troy or Dr. Sills, um, just wanting to have a little bit of more insight on the mental health support. Um, could either of you or both of you speak to um, what happens with counseling in a situation like this? Um, I, I imagine there's a wide range there, but if you can give us um, some insight on, on what specifically the grief counselors may do with the bills as they go back to work this week. Sure. Thank, Thank you. Jared, thanks for the questions. Uh, uh, Troy, maybe you and I can can tackle the first one, and then you and Alan can can talk a little bit about the second question. Um, as far as the first one goes, Jared, you, you saw the announcement yesterday that we were not going to play um, the game this week. So that conversation about what we do with that game has begun. Um, Troy, Commissioner, um, some of the rest of us are involved in those conversations, but they're ongoing. We have no announcement to make at this at this time. Uh, obviously, we're going to have to make a decision on that. Uh, in the coming days, which we will. Uh, but there's a lot of considerations in place there and a lot of people that we want to consult with, including the clubs involved, uh, before that decision is final. So that um, that that's where uh, those things uh, stand now. Troy, anything you want to add to that? 
Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late. Come often. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, From the the scheduling standpoint, no, I think you hit it. And Jared, it was uh, uh, literally uh, all of the focus have been on DeMar. And we have just begun and myself, frankly, to just um, think through and talk through, you know, all of the, the different scenarios and, where that game stands and when to play it, so on and so forth. So uh, we will be, that will all attention, most of attention will still be, will be focused on uh, getting answers out to, to your question for the, for the general public and also the clubs as well. All right. So there's a part of that that you didn't hear in which uh, Troy Vincent shoots down the idea of, the NFL insisting the players start warming up. And I believe him. I believe him. Troy Vincent's a former player and played for a long time in the NFL. I, I believe that there's anybody in NFL management equipped to say, look, it, it doesn't make any sense at all for these guys to resume playing football. It would be Troy Vincent. I believe him. Um, you didn't hear that part. He got very emotional. Um, I also do believe that at some point, the, the NFL is a bureaucracy. There, there's, there's, there's a, as we say, there's, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. There are a lot of chiefs. There's a lot of people who are either in decision-making capacity, who have bosses, or they think they're in decision-making capacity, or they're trying to do what they think is best. And so I fully believe somebody with the NFL communicated to the ESPN booth, the game is going to resume in, in the... 100-plus uh, year history of the NFL, that's what always happens. These were obviously different circumstances, uh, extenuating circumstances beyond belief. Uh, I fully believe that, that somebody stepped in and either spoke out of line or got bad information or maybe went rogue or thought that they were, were saying the right thing when, when maybe no official determination had been made. I think both things can be true. I, I think the key here, though, is the game didn't resume like we, we the the outcome that would have been completely undesirable uh, undesirable would have been for the game to to start again that didn't happen somebody and, and if you want to put it on Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott I'm with you because I thought those guys both showed great leadership and you'll hear Zach here in uh, in just a bit um, but I believe Troy Vincent I also believe that getting worked up about who told those players to warm up or why they did is a little misguided. And by the way, neither coach is going to step up at this point and say, yes, we were told uh, to start warming up and start preparing to play. That doesn't do them any good. Um, 
but but I believe Troy Vincent. I believe from where he sits in that decision making capacity with Roger Goodell, who's a wall above him. Uh, I, I believe that, that they never thought of proceeding with the game once it was abundantly clear that DeMar Hamlin was dealing with something of, of that magnitude. I also do think that intermediaries, maybe people in lower management, maybe people not as high up in the hierarchy, maybe people acting on the local level, maybe folks with the officiating crew, whoever it is, somebody did think at least at some point the game was going to continue. Uh, five minutes away from uh, 5 o'clock. More on this. We'll talk about uh, what should happen to that Bengals-Bills game coming up at 5.05 on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. That's right. It's uh, four minutes after 5 o'clock. This is ESPN 1530. Good afternoon. My name is Mo Edger. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you're having a terrific Wednesday afternoon. We, uh, where we've been, uh, yesterday was rainy gray ugly out today has been the exact opposite sunshine all day long you know uh we're we're past the winter solstice and so it's getting lighter slightly later you know here the last we did a show here two weeks ago right before Christmas, it's dark at this time now lighter later i don't know that it's always going to be in the uh, lower 60s which is what it was earlier today but uh, nonetheless, a, a great day to be out and about. And uh, if you're thinking about uh, dinner tonight, $8 full-size burgers here at the uh, Moreland Lager House. Uh, you can still take advantage before 6, the uh, $5 happy hour menu. By the way, the, the folks who came out for our Christmas party, that was an absolute blast. And I, I haven't thanked people enough. Also, the, there is a Bengals game on Sunday. You just heard uh, 1 o'clock is going to be kickoff. And uh, this is an awesome place to hang out before or after a Bengals game, so keep that in mind as well. Moreline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati. They have hosted us every Tuesday, obviously, with uh, the Monday night game that was scheduled. Everything for us got slid back, so we are here on a, uh, on a Wednesday. Uh, because it's Wednesday, our guy Richard Skinner is going to join us. We'll chat with him coming up at uh, 520. And uh, you'll hear Zach Taylor's uh, press conference. The head coach of the Bengals did talk today uh, extensively. Uh, his normal Wednesday media availability, we, uh, we usually carry that close to the top of the show. We are going to carry that for you coming up at 5.30. So you'll hear the head coach of the Bengals. By the way, uh, don't forget we do have Bengals game plan tonight at 6.05 with uh, Horde and Lapham, though I would imagine that's going to be Box and Lapham because uh, the UC Bearcats on their way to uh, Wichita. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Bengals game plan coming up tonight uh, at 6.05 on ESPN 15.30. Um, in terms of the, the story that has dominated uh, the week, uh, mention the one thing that has been resolved today, and that's the fact that the uh, Bengals game against the Baltimore Ravens is going to kick off at 1 o'clock. There has been no determination made yet as to what's going to happen with the, the Bengals-Bills game, if there's going to be a resumption, if, if they're going to start it from, from the beginning, if they're going to cancel it, if it's going to be uh, ruled a no contest, if it's going to be considered a tie. Uh, more clarity on that, obviously, hopefully coming in the coming days. But uh, the Bengals will play uh, Baltimore at 1 o'clock, and obviously that kickoff time was a little bit up in the air. Um, the most important thing today is uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, announced that uh, DeMar Hamlin is making progress and showing some encouraging signs. He is still in intensive care. Um, there's obviously still uh, many, 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 many hurdles uh, that he's going to have to clear. Um, and there certainly seems like the possibility of a dark outcome is is out there. But uh, I certainly believe relative to 
where we were on Monday night when many of us thought that we had perhaps just watched a player die while playing a professional football game uh, relative to what we were fearing on Monday, while those fears may still be there, uh, we are 44, 43 hours removed from what went down to Paycor Stadium. And DeMar Hamlin is still with us. And so that's obviously the most important thing. And, and hopefully we can say the same thing tomorrow and say the same thing on Friday. And when we do, there'll be new, more news of, uh, of encouraging things happening at uh, University of Cincinnati Medical Center. So, uh, so there you go. Um, the football part of this, it's, it's okay to talk about, and it, it always uh, has been okay to talk about, and, and we will. I just uh, quickly here, um, <clears throat> admittedly not a big fan of Roger Goodell. Uh, I think he's a stooge. Uh, I think he often comes off as a, a pre-programmed automaton. Uh, I, I, I know he has been the commissioner during a period of insane growth for the National Football League, and he's, made, he's helped owners make a whole lot of money. I think as a general rule, Roger Goodell is a bit of a boob. Um, it is remarkable to me that we haven't heard from him yet. So on Monday night, uh, Troy Vincent jumped on a conference call with reporters kind of outlining th- what the NFL had chosen to do in postponing the game. And while I think it would have been appropriate for Roger Goodell to speak then, I could certainly understand why you would want the, the, the operations guy maybe to kind of take the lead. But, I mean, think over the last 16, 17 years since Goodell became uh, the commissioner of the National Football League. C- can you think of circumstances more extenuating than what, what we saw unfold on Monday night? There is the, the human and tragic aspect of this. There's, there's also the, the business and the football aspect of this that requires decisions to be made. Maybe not immediately, but requires decisions to be made. The, the fact that the commissioner of the National Football League Today, when there was a media availability involving people who work for him, was nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be heard, is staggering to me. And maybe it doesn't matter to you, but is beyond staggering to me. This is when leadership shines. Zach Taylor showed, I thought, tremendous leadership on Monday. Sean McDermott, I thought, showed terrific leadership on Monday. And Zach Taylor in his press conference today continued to. Where's the leadership from Roger Goodell? By the way, Roger Goodell oversees a league in which the coaches are required to have press conferences and answer reporters three times a week. If, if this isn't the circumstances under which the commissioner of the league would take questions from reporters, when is it? What, what would have to happen for Roger Goodell to actually answer questions? I think that's an interesting question. As to what's going to happen with the uh, Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we all acknowledge that there's uh, no perfect set of scenario here. There, there, there's nothing that's going to make everybody happy, whether they be individual teams, whether they be uh, broadcast partners. But, you know, the, 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 the business of football has continued since Monday night, and it, it, is, it, is, consi- it is continued uh, against the backdrop of, of everybody wishing the best for DeMar Hamlin. Uh, every NFL team's Twitter account has used his number three as their uh, profile pick. 
A lot of money has been raised, over $6 million to his uh, toy fund. Everybody has been keeping his family in mind. Everybody is hoping for the best. The business of the NFL has not stopped. They've continued to sell tickets. Uh, the, 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 the NFL network has continued to focus in on the games this week. Uh, I can go to NFL.com and read stories about how the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee, <coughs> excuse me, Tennessee Titans are preparing for their AFC North title game on Saturday. The business of football has not ceased. So it is appropriate to talk about what's going to happen with this Bengals-Bills game. And I think it's completely appropriate to talk about how it could be replayed. Because among the many things that the National Football League has considered its business is maintaining competitive integrity. If you don't play the Bengals-Bills game and you have two teams that go into the playoffs with 16 victories... Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. And you deal with the, the ancillary effects in the postseason in terms of seating and where certain games might be played and who wins what. The competitive integrity has, to a degree, been compromised. If you play the game and everybody goes into the season with 17 victories and you have a clear-cut number one or number two seed and you have a head-to-head tiebreaker between Cincinnati and Buffalo, you have gone out of your way to protect the integrity, the competitive integrity of the sport which the NFL has always considered an essential part of what it does. That wouldn't change. And the best way to maintain that competitive integrity is to ensure that everybody plays 17 games. Now, uh, how do you do that? I'm I'm not the first person to float this out there. Many have sort of uh, talked about this idea with uh, different variations. Uh, One half of the NFL's playoff field is going to be set by uh, the end of Sunday. That's the NFC, right? Uh, We're going to have one through seven. We're going to know where those games are played. We're going to know who plays who. It's going to be clear cut in the AFC. Well, Bengals and Bills still have only played 16 games. So the NFC playoffs can begin on time. How about you slide the AFC playoffs back a week and you have the Bengals and Bills play on Super Wild Card Weekend? I I don't know through what hoops the NFL would have to jump through with its TV partners, but all those TV partners are still going to get a full complement of NFL games, and one of them is going to get a Bengals-Bills game, which is going to attract an extraordinary amount of attention for both football and non-football reasons. I think that's the best way. And logistically, I'm sure it's not easy, but... It's, it's, it's okay to talk about this. A lot of folks are going to say, well, in the aftermath of what happened with DeMar Hamlin, just don't play the game. That would be acceptable if the NFL would just stop its season. Season's over. We're not having a week 18. We're not playing the playoffs. 
They're not doing that. They shouldn't do that. They're not doing that. If you're not going to do that, then we can acknowledge the Bengals and Bills uh, should finish their seasons. And then there are no questions about what ifs. There's less of a chance of an imaginary asterisk next to playoff results. And the competitive integrity of the league has been maintained as best as possible. And I think you could do this. By the way, NFL playoffs on a week-to-week basis, you know, I'd say, well, you know, these venues don't know if and when they're going to have games. That's the case anyway. That won't change. So I buy this more than I buy the suggestion that the best outcome would be to, to assess each team with a tie. You could still have the Super Bowl. Heck, you could still, if you really wanted, have the Pro Bowl festivities, which nobody cares about. I think that's the best path moving forward. Uh, Zach Taylor talked earlier today, that coming up in about uh, 20 minutes. But first, spend a few minutes with our guy, Richard Skinner. We're at the Amoraline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati. It's Moe's Happy Hour on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Home of the Bengals, Cincinnati's ESPN 1530. 20 minutes after 5 o'clock, this is ESPN 1530. Moe Egger broadcasting from the Amoraline Lager House this afternoon, uh, just up the street. Uh, from Pecor Stadium, Richard Skinner is there covering the Bengals for Local 12 and Local12.com. Skinny is on Twitter, at Local12Skinny. Um, it's, it's the question I'm sure you've been asked by pretty much everybody you've encountered, in whether they're public settings or private settings, but I'll start with it anyway. What was Monday night like for you? Um, just surreal, Mo. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. You know, you're... you're, you're... The, the crowd's amped up. Um, you're kind of even amped up as a reporter for a game like that just because of, of what it means. And in an instant, a man's life changes. Well, actually, many men's life change. Um, and it was just it was just horrifying to watch. Uh, you know, I had field glasses on it, and I might have been the first one on the press box to say, I think they're doing chest compressions. And a couple other people went, what? And all of a sudden, we kind of realized, oh, my gosh, they are doing chest compressions, and they lasted for a long time. And um, then it really gets real at that point, and then you're not even thinking about covering a football game any longer. And um, at the end of the day, they, everybody makes the right decision. And you know, I, I tweeted out, you know, T. Higgins coming out of the locker room, just seeing the look on his face, how sad he looked, and went and hugged his mother. And you can just tell how it affected him too. So, just a lot of layers to it, and just surreal and sad for sure. Uh, what were your impressions from listening to Zach Taylor today? I thought he handled himself extremely well, and he, I think you saw that on, on on Monday night in every way, shape, or form. Um, you know, obviously a lot's been made of what occurred after supposedly they were told there was a five-minute warm-up, and, and uh, he said he was given no directive about warming up, um, that, you know, there was, there, there was a lot to process in the moment. And once, you know, he went over to talk to Sean McDermott, and Sean said, I have to be with my player in the hospital. At that point, Zach said, you know, and I realized and said, hey, you know, we can't play this game. So um, I, I did. I thought he handled himself great today, thanked all the right people in the right way. Um, you know, did have to answer the tough question of, hey, you got to get onto a football game here. And he said, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're tasked to do. Um, and so you have to, you know, turn the page to, to that game. But at the same time, he said, you can do more than one thing at once, but you can also still keep DeMar uh, Hamlin in your thoughts and prayers at the same time. And, you know, he said, when you're in this building, you know, we're focused on football because it's, we got a game this weekend. And I think it is a tough line. It's going to be interesting to see how the players react come game time. And even today, you know, in, in walkthrough, how, how they reacted. I, I think it's a really tough, tough switch to try to, to try to flip all of a sudden for everybody involved. Yeah, no, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Um, they're going to play Baltimore at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Obviously, uh, the, the final outcome of the Buffalo Bills game is uh, still in doubt after the postponement. 
if you're in charge, what do they do with uh, Cincinnati Buffalo? Um, I think a lot of it depends on um, what happens to Buffalo and what happens to Kansas City. If you know, if Kansas City wins on on Saturday and Buffalo somehow loses to New England, um, and let's say the Bengals win, and Bengals would be the two seed. Kansas City would be the one seed. Buffalo would be the, the three seed. And, and I don't think you'd have a, a – I mean, you could still – you know, you, you don't have the Bengals when I have a chance to get to the one seed because Kansas City would locked it up already. So, you know, maybe in that case scenario, you just say, listen, we're not going to – there's no need to play this game. Yes, Buffalo could have taken back the number two seed with a win over Cincinnati. Um, I did think it was interesting today. Troy Vincent said all options are still on the table um, for, for, for playing a game. And I think that's, that's the truth. I think a lot, Joe, depends on what happens in those games this weekend. S- surprised that there wasn't at least a little bit more definitive in, in, in what he said today? No, because I, I don't think they want to lay out if-or if scenarios, to be honest with you. I'm sure they have the if-or scenarios down pat. Um, I don't think they want the public you know, to, to, to know, the teams to know what those if-or scenarios are. Um, and you don't really have to spell them out until you really have to spill them out, which will probably come around 4.30 uh, on Sunday when the Bengals-Ravens uh, game is finished and when the Patriots-Bills game is finished. Um, I know we don't like a more definitive answer. We'd like to know today what are they going to do with that game. Um, but I don't think that's the reality of it. I think we're going to find out sometime late on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, surprised that we haven't heard from Roger Goodell. Um, are you? Are you? No. no. Based on, in, in, based on the way he's to, run the in, league for 17 years, no. Yes. Yeah, in one vein, to answer your question, yes, I'm surprised because he should have said something by now. In the other vein, no, I'm not surprised because that seems to be kind of this guy's M.O. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I, 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 I get him not talking on Monday night. I, I, I do. Let the operations guy speak. That's fine. To, to have a media availability and to have the, the football operations guy be the voice of the league along with medical people, I, I, that exposes, in my opinion at least, a, a tremendous leadership void. I agree. I, 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 I fully agree. Um, you know, he wants to be the guy shown flexing at the draft and, 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 uh, and looking cool with the players. And when something hard comes along like this, he should be the face of the league, and he's just not. No, no question. Uh, I know you're busy. I appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. You bet, Mel. Take care. That's uh, Richard Skinner. Uh, read him at Local12.com and uh, follow him on Twitter at Local12Skinny. We talked about uh, Zach Taylor speaking earlier today. Uh, we'll have that for you in its entirety when we come back. We're at the Amoreline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Nick Spurs tonight, if you really have to know. It is uh, 8 away from uh, 6 o'clock ESPN, 1530. Don't forget, Bengals game plan will air at uh, 6.05 as soon as we're done. Right here on ESPN, 1530. Back in studio tomorrow for the show at uh, 3.05. If you missed yesterday's Tony and Mo football show, it is available on the iHeartRadio app. You can also go to the podcast page of ESPN1530.com, and it's on my page at espn 1530 dot com as well uh different sort of show as you might imagine but uh i thought a, a good one nonetheless I, I, zach taylor um ha- has emerged as uh, you hate to say one of the stars of of what's happened here but i think the leadership that he showed on monday and the, the way he talked today with uh, an incredible amount of empathy and, and understanding 
uh, I think you get a true sense of, of why uh, the Bengals really like playing for him. Uh, Paul Daner talked about that with me earlier today, that you know, we've, we've talked about Zach Taylor with play calling in the offense and stuff like that. But what, what's always sort of stood out to me is the, the, the leadership. And you know, even his first two seasons when the team was awful, I don't think he ever really got a sense that they had quit on him or anything like that. Uh, clearly there were some guys who didn't want to be a part of this regime, some of the holdovers from the previous one. Uh, those players were moved on from, some more quickly than others. Um, but but I, I, I do think you've seen over the last uh, few days why Zach is regarded as such a, a terrific leader and uh, somebody that guys really like and enjoy playing for. Um, and I think that was evident on Monday. And I think from what you just heard on his press conference uh, earlier today, that was evident as well. Uh, it's evident that we are done. If you're thinking about a spot for dinner tonight, Moreline Lager House, $8 full-size burgers. You cannot beat that. Uh, game on Sunday is going to kick off, kick off at 1 o'clock, so awesome place to come out and hang out before the game, hang out after the game. Christian Moreline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati. We are back here next Tuesday. I am back on the radio tomorrow at uh, 3.05. Have a great night. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Rodney Simpson for producing on site and our guy Taryn back in Kenwood as well. This is ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often.